the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks podcast, going through our favorite DFS plays. I'm Jason Zobel from Golf Bet. He is Len Hochberg from RotoWire, and this week is the Zurich Classic, the first and only two-man event on the PGA Tour this year, and it's going to be a fun one. I don't know if it's going to be that fun from a DFS perspective. There's definitely some game theory involved. We're going to talk about that in a minute. If you are unfamiliar with the format of this one, there are 80 different two-man teams, 160 players total. The top 33 in ties will make it to the weekend, so not a whole lot of teams making it. A lot fewer than we usually see, as far as competitors, fewer than we usually see on a PGA Tour weekend will be best ball, which means just taking the better ball score of the two players on round one and three on Thursday and Saturday, Friday and Sunday, rounds two and four, alternate shot and so there's a couple things for game theory for me len the first is let's not forget that alternate shot is a big part of this alternate shot is half of what we will see being played and so a lot of people just say oh give me the guys that make lots of birdies because you need birdies in this format yes that's true for half of it the other part of it is hey you gotta keep it in play if you have guys that are banging it all over the yard and keeping it out of play that's not great and then the other thing is i I want that intangible of team chemistry let's get right into it how are you doing and what are you looking at as far as some game theories this week for the zurich doing very well jason thank you yeah it's an interesting week i've been reviewing the last four years that's how long they've been doing the team format there will be some very low scores i mean we've seen as low as 60 in the better ball i was looking at one team they shot a couple of years ago they shot a 61 and a 62 in the better ball and then there was a 77 in the alternate shot so there is the potential for some wild swings. You will have to make a lot of birdies. Someone is going to have to putt the ball. Ultimately, I think if you can find a team where there is a good driver of the golf ball and a guy with a good short game, I mean, it's not going to be exclusive. Everyone is going to have to do a little of this. But I look for that. I certainly look for teams that have played together before and there is chemistry. And if they have a friendship, well, I think that matters this week. It's hard to quantify. We see some teams that are thrown together at the last minute like the last guy and the last girl in high school who don't have a date for the prom and we want to go with me. Well, okay. Yeah. You know, better than <laughs> I know that home. well, <laughs> better than sitting home. And this is a short course. So we don't have to look to bombers last week. There were a lot of guys who I liked who were good on a shorter course and they have trouble on the other courses. Well, there are some guys I like this week that will play well on the shorter courses. So a bunch of those things go into play here, but they're just more intangibles, I think, than even a regular tour event. I'm looking forward to it. I agree with that. I think you're absolutely right about team chemistry. I'm looking for guys that maybe six months ago were like, dude, we're playing together, right? Absolutely. Kind of like your local member guest where you're like, hey, that's my guy. We're playing together every year. We love playing together. We have this circle on the calendar. We can't wait for it. As opposed to players who, like you said, Hey, I called the tournament director. I asked if anyone needed a partner. They threw me with this guy. Can't wait to meet him. Should be interesting. Or <laughs> you know, he has the same agent as me. And the agent said, hey, why don't you guys go play? And so we got kind of set up a prearranged sort of deal for us to play together. Yeah, I want the guys who are like, 
nah, this is my boy. And me and my boy are going out there to take some names and kick some butt this week. So let's try to identify some of those players as we go down the list. And so, like I said, only 80 teams in the mix this week. And don't get fooled when you look at DFS and you start looking at the lineups. Right at the top, you'll see Victor Hovland with Colin Morikawa. And the next one up, you'll see Colin Morikawa with Victor Hovland. No, no, no. <laughs> you can't take both. I know. Everyone's going to try it. Everyone's going to go, well, let me just see because it, it has both of them. So let me see. Maybe I get double points if they do really well because I have both guys on the same. No, nah, no. Nah, uh, DraftKings won't let you do that. So Hovland Morikawa, the first team on the board at 10,700, followed by Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley. Mark Leishman and Cam Smith are the defending champions. And then Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. I thought that was a little interesting. Scotty Scheffler and Ryan Palmer. Palmer bringing down the team. Uh, and by the way, Palmer's got a great record in this event. He played with Jordan Spieth, then played with John Robb, and now he's grabbed Scotty Scheffler. Someone knows how to find a partnership in these things. So Ryan Palmer doing well for himself. They're at 9,700. Who, if anybody, do you like right at the top of this? It's hard not to like. Some of these guys, Len. I was very disappointed that my guy, Martin Laird, was not teamed with your guy, Christian Bezidenhut. I would have put a lot of money on that team to do well, but they've both gone their separate ways, so we won't have that, but that would have been my recommendation. Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa, this is the best pairing that's ever been. Two of the top five guys in the world. Somebody's going to have to make some putts. I'm a little wary of them. I'm going to start with... Leishman and Smith. They're the defending champions. Really, for me, it's all about whether Cam Smith has gotten his head back in the right place. Uh, he clearly wasn't ready to play last week, nor could he have been expected to. You know, on one hand, it was honorable that he fulfilled his commitment to the RBC Heritage and went out there. Probably wasn't feeling it, missed the cut, but he is the guy in this tournament. He's won it twice. He's won it in the inaugural year with Jonas Blixt. So he can do it with different guys and is right there. Billy Horschel and Sam Burns, I like them as well. They teamed together last year and they tied for fourth in their first go round together. So I like them. I think, gosh, they may be the favorites for me. And as you said, Ryan Palmer, I don't know what he does, but he's doing something there to get the cream of the crop every time out there. He won with John Rahm a couple of years ago. Sleeping on Scotty Scheffler is a dangerous position to take these days. So I like those three teams, Leishman Smith, Horschel Burns, and Palmer and Scheffler of the ones that you mentioned. I do like Hovland and Morikow right at the top of there. I look at this and there's got to be some mathematical way of figuring this out. I'm just kind of throwing it out there because... I ain't no mathlete if you hadn't figured that out, Len. But uh, mm -hmm. if you look at, let's say Colin Morikawa is, for instance, he's 6% better than the field average. On average, he's 6% better than the average player. Well, you take Victor Hovland, who might be 5.5% better than the field average. And you would think that for two field average type players, well, it's hard for one to beat one of those guys who's above them. It's even harder for two of them to beat two of them because the disparity is essentially bigger between them. I look at it very much the same way you might look at, hey, we're going to play a basketball game. We're playing against Steph Curry and four other guys. And you go, all right, well, that's going to be really tough because Curry's really good. Well, now you throw in it's Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. And if you mm -hmm. other you go, well, now it's even tougher because they have more players who are above essentially the field average, the average player at each of those positions. So I don't know if that's a direct analogy by any means there, but I do think that it's going to be really tough to beat those top guys if they're on even some semblance 
of their game. So I do like them. And then the other one that you mentioned, Sam Burns and Billy Horschel, they had a lot of fun together last year. And I've got a few teams listed this week that just seem like maybe they're not best friends and it doesn't necessarily have to be guys who are best friends, but guys who just enjoy each other's company, enjoy playing together. They look at each other. I think Burns looks at Horschel. Horschel looks at Burns and goes, look, uh, we played for rival colleges. Billy's not wearing a purple and gold. Sam's not wearing any orange and blue from Florida, but they look at each other and say, I really respect his game. I really like playing with him. I think we can go out there and win this thing. So I think there's some value in that. Looking a little bit further down the board, let's see, 9,500. Shane Lowry, who keeps coming really, really close. He's with Ian Poulter. We know Ian Poulter likes playing team events, likes playing matches like this. Granted, it's not match play. It's stroke play format, but having a partner next to him has helped Ian Bolter throughout his career. You can say the same thing about Tommy Fleetwood and Sergio Garcia. Neiman, Mito Pereira, a couple of Chileans who are really tight, really good friends. They played together on Sunday at the RBC. Taylor Gooch and Max Homa, that's a nice one. Harold Varner and Bubba Watson, that's another one there. So there's a lot of different ways to go here. Is one or are two of these uh, teams popping up a little bit more for you, Len, than some others? It's funny. There seem to be a couple of mini Ryder Cup teams, as you mentioned, Lowry and Poulter and Fleetwood and Garcia and lower down Rose and Stenson and even Hatton and Willett. And they're probably all going to have a great time out there on the course. They may have a better time after the round. Those are just natural links between the two of them. I'm a little concerned about Lowry. He's been playing a lot and he's been playing meaningful minutes and on deep into Sundays every week. It's got to be exhausting, but he looks pretty good out there. Fleetwood and Garcia, they've teamed up once before and they played well. I'm not sure how there's not a putter within 20 miles of there, but there's so many other intangibles there and so many other things to look at. If there's not a great putter, there's still a way for them to do well. Taylor Gooch and Max Homa, buddies. I like this team a lot. They were together last year. They were 17th their first go around. Both of these guys, they're pretty good at kind of everything. There's no one word. This one's going to have to tee off every time, and the other one has to do this. I think that's going to be a benefit when guys are more versatile. Yeah, I'm looking at Waco and Mito there, the two guys from Chile. They're good friends. I've talked to Mito in the past where it's a weird dynamic because Neiman is about three and a half years younger than him. And yet he's been on the PGA tour longer. And so Mito almost looks up to him as a mentor, even though he's much older than him, but the two of them have a good time playing together. They really enjoy each other's company. And I could see Neiman looking at this as a big event for him, essentially to try to help get his buddy, his tour card. Like let's not only his card for a few years to come, but let's launch him maybe into the president's cup conversation. Uh, Let's do some good things for him. He can really help his buddy there. And then the other one, Homa and Gooch are going to have more fun than anybody. I mean, they're going to just have a a great time together. They're good friends, two really good ball strikers. I expect them to be loose and guys that have both won earlier this season. So there's not any pressure on them to go out and have a big week. They've got everything locked up that they need to lock up. Watson Varner, by the way, I think that could be a great group for the best ball. I love them on Thursday, maybe a little first round leader bet. But you start looking down the road. Alternate shot, I don't love them. And I think that could hurt them further down the road. All right, let's get into the 8,000s. Really like that Zalatoris-Davis-Riley pairing. I've long thought, Len, that this could be a good jumping off point for guys who are trying to get that first career PGA Tour win. Two of them playing together, maybe a little more motivated here, maybe not going out for those char-grilled oysters every night, going out for some hurricanes on Bourbon Street, maybe just kind of, hey, let's let's focus this week. Let's get that first win. We know it's coming. 
maybe this week. You mentioned Hatton and Willett, Sungjae Im and Ben On. Ben On's been playing some really good golf on the yeah. Corn Ferry Tour. I know we haven't seen him in the big leagues too much lately. Seamus Power, Graham McDowell, Brendan Steele, Keegan Bradley. I'm going to tell you all about them in a minute. But Patton Kazire, JT Poston, Sepp Straka, Grayson Sig, Chris Kirk, Brendan Todd, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Martin Laird, Robert McIntyre, and closing out the 8,000s, the Adams from Canada, Hadwin <laughs> and Svensson. There's a lot of interesting things there to unpack. Cam Smith got his first win. You're talking about getting a first win. Cam Smith got his first win back here in 2017. He's the only one of the eight so far. So we've had four teams win eight players since 2017. He's the only one that got his first PGA Tour win at this event. And the Chileans, they played together yesterday. Uh, They got a little sneak preview. They played together in the fourth round at the RBC Heritage. I imagine this is a huge, huge event back home for them. And they'll want to play well for their country as well as for each other. I looked at Bradley and Steele. I think they can do well. Again, there's no, no putter there, but they both hit the ball so well. I could see them having a good week. I go all the way down to... 8,100 to Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson. Rose has won this tournament as a solo, so he can play this tournament. They've played this tournament every year together. I think they're one of the few, maybe with Brown and Kisner and Watney and Hoffman, I think. Not sure if there are any others. They played every year together, and they finished in the top 11 three of the four years, including last year when they both started to sort of stumble on their own games as they're getting into their 40s. Rose can do it on occasion. He was sixth at the Farmer's. Stenson was top 20 at the Valero just a few weeks ago. I think they're going to have a blast playing together. They look forward to this every year to play together. I like them to certainly make the weekend and maybe a lot more. Yeah, so I've got a few teams here that I like uh, in the 8,000, starting with the first one there. Will Zalatoris and Davis Riley. Riley did not have a good week last week. We all know what Zalatoris can do. These are two really good young ball strikers. I, I just feel like they can feed off each other. And again, that motivation is going to be a factor this week. Then I'm going down. I look, I, I like power and McDowell together. I like him and on together. Bradley and Steele have both been kind of knocking on that door a little bit more so Keegan than Steely, but I think this is going to be a really good week for them. They play practice rounds every single week that they hmm. play the same PGA tour event. They're really good friends. They go on vacation together. Their wives are good friends. Kids are hanging out together. I mean, it's very much a close knit tandem here and I I expect them to have a really good week together they've done so in the past and then moving down let's get to the 7,000s I see some value down there as well Keith Mitchell and Brant Snedeker had a great time playing together Snedeker said it was one of the most impressive driving displays over four days that he's ever seen there aren't a whole lot of plays on the board where I see a lot of value this week Len that one both in the betting marketplace and the DFS marketplace I think there's a tremendous amount of value on Mitchell and Snedeker at 7,900. Moving down a little bit, you mentioned them earlier, Kisner with Scott Brown. They play together. I'd venture to say they've played more golf together Mm. than anybody else in this field, and that should help them this week. They play Palmetto over in Aiken, South Carolina. I just played there a couple times during Masters week. It's a fantastic golf course. That place can get you ready for any place in the world. So certainly think those guys have the right, let's say, mojo to go play together in this thing and if you're looking for a few more just kind of flyers Bo Hostler, Sahith Figala maybe I don't know that's necessarily a natural pairing but I think they're both really good players who have both knocked on the door a few times then I'm looking for this team more from an alternate shot standpoint I think that it might be important to look at teams from that second and final round perspective than just hey who's gonna make lots of birdies for me in rounds one and three 
Aaron Rye and David Lipsky are two very underrated, steady, solid players. And I think that in rounds two and four, when other teams are sliding back a little bit, those guys can make a little run and play some good golf together in alternate shot. I do have Mitchell and Snedeker on my list. I mean, they seem like a great combination where Mitchell can hit the ball off the tee and Snedeker, you know, not as great as he used to be around the greens and on the greens, but a nice combination right there. They were fourth last year. Brown and Kisner, they missed the cut last year. But hey, you know, when people always talk about Kevin Kisner at the match play, that he should be on the Ryder Cup team. You only play one match as a single. If you're going to say Kevin Kisner, this format where you're playing these things, best ball and alternate where, you know, that's most of the Ryder Cup and most of the President's Cup. And he does well there as well. And I'm going to go down to 7,100 and look at Tyler Duncan, who I Mm. liked last week, and Adam Schenk. Can't claim to have known this before I looked this up this morning. Two Purdue Boilermakers. Obviously, there's going to be a connection there. They probably know each other. So I like them. And even down at at an even 7,000, Hoffman and Watney, neither one playing great now, but they always seem to play well together. And they did again last year. They must have a blast as well. Len, I'm not going to lie to you. I am not chasing anything too low this week. I get it. Look, only 33 teams plus ties make the cut this week. And so if you just get a team inside that number, you can certainly make it worth your while and they will hit that value. But there's just not a whole lot I like down there. I'll probably have more balanced lineups. The one team I am looking at at 6,800, Hank Lebiota and Chase Seifert played together at Florida State. Should have a little mojo there. Anybody you're looking at from lower on down, I know you've done very well picking a few 6,200 salaried players over the last few weeks. You you got a a diamond in the rough for us this week? I'm going to try and get at least uh, one 6,500 and under every week. We all do it. We all have our five in the lineup, and then we're struggling to get that sixth guy, and we don't have a lot of cash, and we got to find somebody. And sometimes it's that low, and sometimes it's not. But I always want to give people that option. So there are two guys in the sixes or two groups in the sixes 6,700, Lee Hodges and Vince Whaley, uh, both having decent seasons. You're both in the top 125. Hodges hasn't played this tournament yet. Whaley tied for 29th uh, last year with Michael Glejic. As long as Whaley does most of the putting, I think they'll be okay. And way down at 6,300, this could be fantastic or this could be a disaster. Wesley Bryan and Trey Mullinax. Trey Mullinax at the top of the show, I think we were on early recording, maybe it was before we started, I mentioned that there was a team a couple of years ago that shot 61 and 62 in the better ball. Well, that was Mullinax with Scott Stallings. Then they did 77 on Sunday. They ended up 13th, still great. Mullinax hits the ball far off the tee, and Bryan, we know, can be a wizard with his wedges. That's my under $6,500 play. All right. Well, you've had a lot of luck with those over the last few weeks, so maybe we should just lock that in right now. But let's get to our our lineup that we make every week here on the Links and Locks podcast. Len, you are up first. We're going to go through a six-team lineup, uh, 12 players total, a little different this week on DraftKings. What are you looking at first? I guess I have to do it because I really think these guys can win, and that's Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. Like you said, they had a blast last time. It's almost like older brother and younger brother. They're not college teammates or roommates like Davis Riley and Will Zalatoris used to be. Hopefully that ended well. It just seems there's a lot of things going on there. Burns playing well, Horschel playing well. Horschel's won this tournament as a single and a double 
with Scott Piercy. I think he won it with Scott Piercy. Did, yes. uh, there's just a lot to like. Uh, a lot of things come together for that team, and they are $10,000. I like that a lot. I think that's a good place to start. There are a few teams I like in the mid-tier, and I'm going to start with one of them. Mentioned it earlier. They finished in fourth place last year and they just seem to have a bond and it might be a big brother little brother kind of bond but look if Keith Mitchell's name is on something these days I've been all Mm. over it he's been my favorite guy to target so far this year I'm not stopping now he's got a really good putter and a veteran influence next to him in Brant Snedeker he likes to show off a little bit and I can see Mitchell showing off for Sneds this week at 7900 like I said earlier not a whole lot of value plays on the board that's a value play right there. I like that play a lot. I think we're both on Max Homa and Taylor Gooch. We like them. We, we stated the reasons. They're both great players individually. They're great friends. They're like Swiss Army knives. There's not a specialty for one where one's a better putter, one's a better driver. I think they all are very good in all facets of the game, or at least adequate or better in all facets of the game. They can really interchange what their roles are there. All right. I like that. I am not going to save us too much money. I'm going back to that mid-tier Keegan Bradley has three finishes of 11th or better in his last five starts. Brendan Steele has started playing some real good golf after five missed cuts in a row. He's made three in a row and started posting some good numbers together. Like I said earlier, I just think they've got the intangible of being good friends, playing a lot of rounds of golf together. And then they've got the analytical part of really good drivers of the golf ball will put themselves in position to make a lot of birdies. They're also very similar players. And I think that helps for alternate shot. It's not as if you've got one guy who's a big hitter and one guy who just putts. I mean, I guess I'm sort of contradicting myself a little bit and that Mitchell and Snedeker are those opposite types of players. And you're going to have to get through that alternate shot part, but Steele and Bradley are similar types of players. I think that'll help them in both formats this week. I've got them in the lineup at 8,500 and we now have 14.5 left to spend, 72.50 per team. And that's not a whole lot based on what we see here at the bottom. I'll piggyback on what you said for a second and just say, yeah, you weren't really contradicting yourself. There's more than one way to win a golf tournament. That holds true this week. There are some guidelines we like to follow. I'm going to go all the way to the bottom to my bargain basement selection and go Wesley Bryan and Trey Mullinax. I'm not going to try and convince people that I am really high on them. And there was something I saw that really leads me to think they can do well. I mean, I like them best of the bunch down there. I think a lot of things have to go right for them to make the cut. But if they make the cut at 6,300, we're sitting pretty and hoping for the best on the weekend. You're absolutely right. Make the cut and then just whatever else happens is gravy after that. But yeah, if they make the cut at 6,300, that could be a massive play. I think that's also a little contrarian there. All right, I've got 8,200 left to spend. I know you like Rose and Stenson at 81. I, I don't necessarily love it. They're not playing their best golf right now. Brendan Todd, Chris Kirk. Uh, hmm. Boy, it, Todd's been okay. Last two, last two starts, eighth at the Texas Open and 26th at the Heritage last week. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's a shorter golf course. Could yeah. suit him. But I'm going just a little bit further down. I'm going with the Canadian Adams. Huh. Got Adam Hadwin, Adam Svensson. Each of these guys has played some good golf. In fact, if you look at what Adam Hadwin has done, going back to the beginning of February in descending order, he was 26 at the RBC this past week. Before that, fourth, seventh, ninth, missed the cut at the Genesis, 26th, 16th. That's yeah. really, really good. If I had read those results off and didn't tell you what player's name it was, a lot of people might go, I don't know, Dustin Johnson. Uh, huh. No, that's Adam Hadwin. And Adam Hadwin's played really well. 
Adam Svensson has a couple of top tens this year already, too. He's played some nice golf. So I'm going to lock them in there at 8,000. Here's the lineup. We've got Brian and Mullinax, Hadwin and Svensson, Homa Gooch, Horschel Burns, Mitchell Snedeker, Steele Bradley, and Len, I have absolutely no idea what's going to be good and what's not going to be good. I sure hope that one works out for us. I haven't had great weeks the last few weeks, but I've been able to cash a little bit with getting five of six through the weekend. I mean, I haven't come close to winning the big ones, but if you get five of six through this week, I think you're doing pretty well. Yeah, remember, 33 teams plus ties of the 80 that are in there. And so if you get the weekend, I think that's a big bump for you. This week, if you can get six through to the weekend, you're looking at essentially having just under 20% of the field playing for you over the weekend. That could be a massive predictor of some big winnings. So to do well screens this week. Absolutely. So our thanks to everybody out there for listening to this edition of the links and locks podcast. Remember you can find us everywhere. You listen to your favorite podcasts, subscribe, download, rate, and listen every single week. I'm Jason Sobel. He's Len Hochberg. Good luck with all your DFS lineups for this week's Sewer Classic. Here's hoping you hit the green.